Hello and welcome to the Worcester Observer podcast. I'm your host, Rob George, joined by my regular podcast partner, Claire Bullivant. As always, we're going to begin, where else, with the terrible floods that have hit the River Severn and subsequently Worcester uh, this week, which have caused a lot of chaos and it's ongoing chaos. As we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, the River Severn is thought to be rising again on Wednesday and with forecasters now warning that the river level will remain into next week now which is quite shocking so i thought uh, in addition to the story that you'll read on worcesterobserver.co.uk we'd bring you a little bit of my chat with flood campaigner mary donow who kindly spared some time to speak to us yesterday tuesday afternoon and uh, i began by asking her her reaction to these latest floods to hit the city where do i start yeah. um I think, really, they're pretty overwhelming, aren't they? I think overwhelming is the word to use because we've seen the Environment Agency give great records with the number of flood warnings they've given in any one day this week. We've seen river levels surpassing all, all records. We've seen rivers that are normally slow at rising, rising quickly. It's raining again. It's going to go on and on. And, you know, we've, we've got to remember as well that um, we've had floods in Yorkshire last week and they're, they're on their knees. And I was up there last week and now they're here. And it's, it's almost like winter has, has been, it has been the wettest in my memory winter that I've known the ground it started raining in September basically yeah. it hasn't stopped no. and the ground is absolutely saturated it, 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 I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more I mean is there something is there simple action that you'd like to see taken or is this a, a long-term problem that you feel the government should address well, I, I, I think it is a long-term uh, problem. It's obviously climate change is playing it's a huge part in this. Um, I think government has got to invest more money in flood risk management, um, not just building more defences, but managing the floods. Mm. At, um, you know, doing all, I look on flood risk, flood risk management as a jigsaw puzzle, so lots of different pieces all coming together to reduce flood risk. We can never stop flooding, but we can reduce the impact. I could, yeah, I agree. I, was, I said something similar in my editor's comment for the paper. Um, you know, surely it's not beyond our wit to actually reduce the damage that it actually does. Yes. We can certainly do it at a home level. If you've seen my pinned tweet, yeah. um, I am sort of a passionate advocate for recoverable repair. So when people are flooded, that the insurance, they work with their insurance provider to sort of what they're calling build back better. So if they do flood again, the damage can be re reduced to a minimum. And I was in a couple of businesses only last week in Hebden Bridge that had been flooded on Sunday and opened for business on, on Tuesday, oh, wow. having, having adapted the, the inside of their, their properties, their businesses, so that they um, didn't, didn't you know, that the impact was so reduced they could wash, it, wash, wash down and sanitize and, and open for business again. And I was in another house, literally the nearest house I've ever, ever been to on the banks of a river. And they had built in flood resilience to the property. And there were pumps going all the time. And they literally had, I can only describe it as a sort of, it's a plastic membrane that runs down between the wall and the plasterboard. 
and it goes underneath the floor into sump pumps and is taken away. So it comes through the property so the structural integrity isn't compromised, but it then literally is pumped away. And they also had, um, it looked like effectively laminate flooring, but it was plastic laminate flooring and it was waterproof. So if any water did get in, and they did tell me they got an incontinent cat that was forever weeing on it, they could, they could just, um, you know, mop it down and not worry about it. And I've got so many positive stories of people, homeowners and businesses having done that, that with the, the threat that climate change is bringing us and more and more floods, I honestly think that this is the way to go to enable homeowners and businesses to recover and get on with their lives as quickly as they possibly can. Mary, you're an assistant. I won't keep you any longer. That's more than more than enough that what I need. Thank you so much for your time. That's my pleasure. That was Mary Donner there speaking to me yesterday afternoon when the uh, flood levels were not as high as I think there are. They are now. Uh, it's staggering. It's um, it just doesn't seem to be stopping, does it? And there's more coming. They tell us there is heavy rain forecast for Thursday. As I said, we're recording this. Wednesday and if it's going to fall mostly across Wales and there is rain forecast today uh, for mid Wales which is the worst possible possible thing because it'll just come straight down the seven and the seven will have to bear the brunt of it because it runs out to the sea. Oh, well what are we going to do what are we going to do are we going to have to all like build our houses on stilts or something <laughs> or um, I don't know there's well, well I was struck by what Mary said as you heard um she is very realistic. She's not calling for flood barriers all the time and because we're going to stop it. She's actually saying we should be more flood resilient. So are there ways of making sure that the, any weak spots get addressed? Yeah. And it doesn't help, does it, them starting to build houses and things on floodplains? Well, and no, I mean, that's, that's not going to be good. I mean, we were having a conversation about it on Monday evening as well. And um, somebody said to me they feel a lot of people tarmacking over their front driveways. Oh, right. Oh, um, has actually contributed it because there's no grass there, so there's no soil there, so the water yeah. just sits there and it keeps the water levels up higher and higher. I never even thought about that. Which panicked me because my front driveway is completely yeah. <laughs> covered over. So it's, it's not good. I mean, it breaks my heart. And um, I want to publicly thank Dave Grubb for the fantastic aerial shot from a drone of the city underwater that you'll see on worcesterobserver.co.uk and on the front page of this week's paper as well. But also the former editor of The Standard, the Worcester Standard as it was then, and the Worcester Observer, Tim Josbury clark who sent us some pictures of his rather wet walk to work on uh, Monday morning. I mean... It does break my heart because it's a city I've come to really, really love, uh, Worcester. I'm not local, you know that, or you could tell from my accent, but... I mean, this this is five floods in just over eight months. Well, I'm local. I've grown up in Worcester. <laughs> yeah. I've lived here most of my life, and... Um, it was never like this as a kid. No. I mean, occasionally we'd watch the river and it would rise and get pretty high, but I've never over the last few years seen anything like no. it. it. And it just seems to be getting worse and worse. I mean, yet again, a clean-up is going to be needed. Yet again, the frankly exhausted ground staff at New Road, the cricket ground, again, have got to clear up all the mess and then start sorting out the pitch. And that's the cricket season is about eight weeks away because it's not you're right it's not just the water the water doesn't just go no. once the water just does go there's like debris and all sorts yeah. all over the place that needs picking up and sorting out 
And um, all the farmers as well are losing so many crops, apparently. Well, yes. They're just, They've oh. got to replant, which is the wrong time for them because... I'm not great on farming, but apparently you have to plant crops at certain times. You can't just plant them again. No. Um, but what bothers me is that no lessons seem to be learned. It's all like, oh, right, we're flooded. We clean up and then we flood again. Yeah. I mean, surely in 2020, it's not beyond the wit of man to start looking at, yes, the money is not, we haven't got a finite amount of money. We haven't. But surely the money that is there can be spent properly. Surely the are very, very experienced and brainy people, more brainier than, than I, um, that can look at areas and go, well, hang on, what we need to do here is invest here, here, here and here, and that will reduce the impact of flooding dramatically. Mm. We just seem to just chuck money at it, but we don't seem to be chucking money to plug the gaps if you and then what really annoys me is in the summer when we have hose pipe bans and oh, things yeah. like that i just oh, there'll be one warm week in april and seven trent will say and yeah. i'm naming them i don't care um one, there'll be one warm week in april and seven trent will say well will there be a drought warning now mm. i can't imagine so because the water table below the soil must be so high yeah well, who knows? I mean, it is staggering. Keep up to date, though. Uh, you've all been uh, wonderful on our Facebook page, sharing our stories um, since Monday dramatically. Uh, we've seen a massive upsurge in the amount of people visiting our website, and we thank you for that. And we hope we've provided you with the relevant information at the relevant times to get you home, to get you uh, to work, but also to keep you up to date on the conditions out there if you're not venturing. Uh, out there too but it is an ongoing story so it wherever you listen to this do keep it abreast of worcesterobserver.co.uk and the very latest we will bring you uh, as and when it happens and but one hopes that the next few updates or the next few days we can start talking about the water level going yeah, uh, down <laughs> and if you are listening oh gods of weather can we have like you know a fortnight of dry cold sunny weather now i mean in the future who knows they might be able to manipulate the clouds and <laughs> yeah. send them to australia to put out the bushfires when they need them and um hopefully well who knows but that's also a bit scary thinking that we'll be the masters of our own weather or something i no, don't know it's all no, it's all no. a bit that's a bit black mirror it's a little, it? yeah black mirror slash 1984 <laughs> a little bit um, but do keep abreast as I said we will keep up to, you up to date as much as we can we'll work with all the partner agencies and it goes without saying and I'm going to end on this uh, but I really think I should mention it don't go near them don't go near the floodwaters you know don't go wading through them or don't go near them to take pictures or selfies or something for your social media floodwater it might look high and just not moving anywhere it's dangerous one false move and that's you gone. Mm. Don't the emergency services are run off their feet at the moment? And I've just had an email as I came up here to record this. Actually, um, the police are desperate for you not to ring one hundred and one on flood-related matters. Oh, really? Um, because they're inundated with people ringing one hundred and one to find out what roads are closed. Oh. One hundred and one is not there. It's not an information for service. It's not an information service. It's there for crime. Please, if you don't have to make a call to the police don't because they are rushed off their feet at the moment all over the county it's not just Worcestershire it's Herefordshire it's Shropshire the you know the three counties are under a lot of water I saw some um, video footage in Herefordshire just down the road of the police rescuing sheep yeah. and oh they're having to do everything aren't they it's 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 awful awful and just one hopes the only way it's going to be sorted is if it dries up mm. but the forecast as we said there's rain, more rain, 
More rain. And then a little bit more rain. But look, we're nearly at the end of February. March is just around the corner. And I always start thinking the sunshine <laughs> is, is, is there. It's, it's within touching distance, hopefully. <laughs> One hopes so. Spring I mean, is on its way. Hopefully the reward this summer will be about six weeks of about 30 degree heat oh. and no rain for about six weeks. Wouldn't that and be that lovely? that will probably dry the ground out to where it should be. Um, I've just realised something. Hmm. Uh, I will, I will talk about that off the air. I've just realised I've made, not an error, but a rather silly thing uh, for me to do in the paper. We'll go back, we'll go back to that at another time. Um, but one thing I did want to dr- bring attention to is under-fire bus companies. Now, we've talked a lot about buses on the podcast, including um, a former Labour general election candidate branding bus drivers lazy or some bus drivers lazy on here so it's only fair i bring up buses again because under fire bus companies have been urged to drive up their punctuality and reliability after worcestershire county council and councillor alan amos uh revealed that there was about seven hundred thousand pound going into the transfer budget to trans transport budget that's not easy to say <laughs> uh close together uh to Im- improve our bus network oh right okay but uh, it comes with the caveat that they've got to improve their punctuality and reliability. So I don't think he's accepting any prisoners on this one. Hmm. But, uh, but why is he saying... Um, so who said they were lazy? Lynn Denham, the former Labour candidate, did say on the Worcester Observer podcast that some bus drivers were lazy and needed to improve their public service. So things like helping disabled people in... I don't know. I will not go. But she did say that, and it was used politically <laughs> really? uh, in the Guildhall... Um, which um, I should say thanks to Worcester... I should thank the floods, actually, because, as you can tell from my voice, I'm not very well. Uh, I've got man flu, which is, as you know, is the biggest killer amongst men of any (laughs) age. Um, And the council meeting that I was due to go to last night was thinned down dramatically because of the floods, so it enabled me to go home instead of going to a council meeting to rest. So (laughs) thank you to the floods and storm, uh, Dennis, for that one. Railway fans, if you're interested... The uh, Worcestershire Parkway, the link between Worcester, Birmingham and London, finally opens its doors over at Norton on a Sunday, February the 23rd. And this is going to improve the rail network dramatically because now we have a Birmingham International new street-style terminus for cross-country trains to actually call at as well. So that will be a massive improvement and linking the city and, of course, Evesham and Pershaw, Mulvern towards London as well. And when's that opening? On Sunday, uh, the 23rd. Are they going to be having a big open day? Or? There'll probably be some sort of uh, event to open it, but it has been delayed, so I would have thought they'll just want to open it quite quietly because it was supposed to open before Christmas, oh, right. and it didn't. Um, another thing I did want to mention as well, because uh, we, we tried to keep you updated on the progress of Michael Fatialofa, well, I'm pleased to say he's taken his first steps in the road to recovery. He's up on his feet and um, now he's having treatment and making progress. And if you want to know more, go onto his Instagram page where he posted a video. This is one of our Worcester Warrior One of our wounded heroes. Worcester Warriors. Mm. Um, a visit just given... And yes, he uh, one of our wounded Worcester Warriors. Uh, I should mention as well Saracens. Uh, if you're a rugby fan, you know Saracens have been naughty and they've been relegated to the Championship for financial irregularities and they've been ducked about a gazillion points. Uh, but I should mention the um, 
they donated £1,000 for every try scored in their match against Sale at the weekend, so they've boosted the fund set up to support Michael Fatialofa and his family by £4,000. So well done, Saracens. Oh, well done. Amazing. Uh, to that as well. Anyway, that is... Um, it's another nice paper again this week, nice and we colourful. Managed, we managed to get one out with, despite me having man flu and the f- floods as well. One thing I did want to touch on before we finish, because this is going to be a bit of a shorter one, because we've had Mary, the interview with Mary Donna, but also my voice probably won't last <laughs> much longer. But I did want to touch on the sad and very, very tragic death of Caroline Flack. Um... I'm sure many of you listening were quite shocked, even though she's had a very troubled last few months personally, to hear the news that she'd actually um, been found dead at her home in London. And I'll state my case now. I'm not a great fan of anything she's ever presented because they're not the programmes I watch, Love Island, X Factor, was it The Extra Factor or anything like that. But I do have a problem with... um, the circumstances leading up to her death and I do want to address it because I don't think the media should be beyond reproach I think when we failed we should hold our hands up and say we've failed and in this case Caroline Flack was failed Um, she was failed by the media she was failed by the CPS and she was failed by social media Uh, every it isn't just one single entity that is to blame all three have got um causes to answer um the media a certain newspaper that i I won't mention uh because just in case they do listen but i won't give them the publicity uh, that they seek i think has been grossly unfair with the coverage of her domestic violence incident with her boyfriend um i would question whether if she was a man it would have been covered in such a way I would also question if she was Caroline Flack, the bus driver, or Caroline Flack, who works in Greggs, would that have received so much attention? Uh, to the CPS, I think it's... It, I mean, there is a report in one of the other newspapers that she feared a show trial, and I have to say I fear that was the case. I fear the CPS wanted to make a... A statement and wanted to say, look at this high-profile celebrity. Uh, when the facts of the case appeared to be an awful lot different, the boyfriend wasn't speaking out and saying he wanted to withdraw all the charges because he was frightened of her in any way. Clearly, the boyfriend was saying, well, it's a tempestuous relationship. We're both as bad as each other. And yet it went on to a trial where she, in the initial hearing, pleaded not guilty. But my biggest condemnation uh, I would reserve for social media because before this I've not been very well, as you know, so that's meant a lot of a lack of sleep. So I have actually spent time on social media looking at some of the awful, horrific pond life that walk out, breathe our air and use technology to speak so vilely about somebody that has now left us. And I think the time has come for some sort of Caroline's law where we regulate Facebook and we regulate social media to a point where that if you're going to post such vile, hateful comments, you can be banned. Hmm. Um, a bit like they do on Twitter now. Yeah. They start, yeah. 
It, it, I mean, it is awful. I've got several friends who knew Caroline very well. I've never met her, but I've. But I think now everybody is pointing the finger. I think um, you know you've got your social media people pointing the finger to the papers. You've got your Piers Morgan's pointing the finger to the social media. You've got people blaming the um, police and the legal things. And I and you've got other people now who are saying. Caroline was on medication that wasn't properly monitored and some of these depression medications can make you suicidal and we all know that the doctors nowadays do love to just prescribe anything don't they and often you just give them prescriptions and you you aren't monitored um so I think it was so many things that went wrong I think it is but I think it's a it's a deep deep tragedy um had she done wrong Yes, in the eyes of the law, she'd assaulted somebody, she, yes. I question whether the police should release those images. No. I don't think... As they a newspaper, be. we wouldn't be ever no. printing anything like that, would we? So how do they get away with... And when it's when there hasn't been a verdict? I don't understand how I these don't, I don't, national I, papers I, I get away with things like this. I, I, certainly, we, we abide by the Contempt of Court Act, the 1981 Act. Uh, anything that we know is going could come up as evidence... In a trial, we would not print. So, how do these national papers get? I have no idea. I think there's the morality at some of the at the very top now is still as toxic as it was um, in the phone in the news. The world phone hacking. Mm. I think there are still people desperate to sell newspapers. But then again, we can't tar all journalists with a bad brush because journalists do such a great job. You know, we, as journalists, we know fellow journalists who expose paedophile rings. And, you know, often journalists do the job that police don't do. Um, Well, journalists can work. I believe journalists can work hand in hand. Mm. You know, there have been many cases where a journalist investigation has been passed to the police and charges have resulted oh, from it. Oh, many times. And I believe me, when I, in my condemnation, I'm not talking about the whole media, mm. but I think it's important that in the media we're not afraid of saying when we've got when we've got it wrong. Yeah. But we're not beyond reproach. Um, certainly, I'm not beyond reproach. And if we ever do anything wrong, and if we if we've got it wrong, then I'll be the first to hold my hands up. Absolutely. It's just so tragic because she obviously was super talented and. Very popular and just incredible. I've, I've got friends who saw her on Strictly Come Dancing. I never saw that, Strictly. Mm. But apparently she was absolutely she was incredible. Amazing. And I saw footage yesterday where she was singing on top of a piano and she was an incredible singer. She was amazingly talented. I, mean, I think the best thing to do, though, in any case, whether a celebrity or not, is say that may she ever rest in peace and our thoughts and condolences to her family, her friends and to everyone who knew her on the sad passing of Caroline Flack. Okay, as ever on the Worcester Observer podcast, it's time for Claire's What's On Worcester Roundup. For all the things to do and see this week, it's Claire Bullivant with this week's What's On Guide. Thanks, Rob. Yes, my top picks of things to see and do this weekend in and around Worcester and Malvern are as follows. We may be slightly flooded here in Worcester, but that doesn't stop us Worcestershire people, does it? On Saturday, the 22nd of February, I highly suggest getting out and about and seeing dire streets at Huntington Hall in Worcester on Saturday evening. This is their Brothers in Arms 35th anniversary tour. And I have to say, Brothers in Arms is one of my favourite songs of all time. 
And these guys are just an incredible tribute band. In fact, they are Europe's most critically acclaimed Dire Straits tribute act, and they're going to be playing the album live in its entirety. I actually got to interview them a little while ago, and they are six of the UK's top tribute musicians, actually, also talented in their own right, but together truly explosive. You'll think you're seeing the actual band. It's a two-hour show and there's going to be dramatic classic rock riffs from songs like Money for Nothing, the smooth jazz-tinged flavours of Latest Trick and foot-tapping classics such as Walk of Life to the epic guitar anthem. Title track, of course, Brothers in Arms. Join Dire Streets as they celebrate one of the greatest British rock albums of all time. I'm going to be there and I can't wait. 7.30pm at Hunting Hall on Saturday evening. Get your tickets from Worcester Live. Also, lots of other live music going on all about on Saturday evening. The Leon Day Band, they're going to be at the Chestnut in Worcester on Saturday night. These guys are great. They do lots of alternative rock originals. Always a great time with them. Fret Wolf, they're going to be playing at the Swan Inn in Barbourne. The Fez, a homage to Steely Dan, will be at the Mars Bar in Worcester on Saturday evening. Now, I haven't actually seen these guys yet, but I hear they're truly brilliant and I love Steely Dan. So it's bound to be a great night. We also love the Mars Bar too. And one of my favourite local bands, the Dead Dads Club, they're going to be putting on an acoustic set at the Great Mulvern in Mulvern on Saturday evening. And if you're into something a little bit different for Saturday night, the adult pantomime Peter Panties is on at the Swan Theatre on Saturday evening. 7.30pm start there. And this is the Market Theatre Company. They're returning to corrupt another traditional pantomime, classic beyond recognition, they tell me. They say it's going to be an evening of corny jokes, raunchy plots and blatant sexual innuendo using a minimum of set props and costumes. It's adults only, not suitable for anyone under the age of 16. And the stage newspaper I just read, they said it's quintessentially British, like a carry-on film made by a rugby club. It sounds like a great night to me. Get your tickets for Saturday evening from Worcester Live. Then on Sunday, the 23rd of February, my picks include the Frith Piano Quartet at Huntington Hall. This is an afternoon concert starting at 3pm and it's a local group who formed in 2001 by like-minded musicians who all wanted to explore the wealth of wonderful music written for the piano quartet medium, they tell me. Over the years, they performed the complete piano quartets of Brahms, Dvorak, Mozart, Strauss, etc, etc. But in this concert, it's going to be the two major works of Mozart and Brahms performed and also a lesser known but beautiful work by the 20th century Spanish composer Torina. They're a really talented bunch so if you're into your classics definitely want to go and experience. Get your tickets from the Worcester Live box office. Then continuing in the classics theme on Sunday evening, we have Le Boheme Sembler by arrangement with Opera Internationale and international soloists, highly praised chorus and a full orchestra at Mulvern Theatres. It's starring Alina D, the Korean soprano in her iconic role as Mimi and the celebrated international soprano Aljona Kistenbjova. This is a brand new production, traditionally staged and features beautiful sets and 
and costumes. It really is one of the most romantic operas ever written. If you don't know it, it tells the tragic tale of the doomed, consumptive Mimi and her love for a penniless writer. It's really romantic. Don't miss it on Sunday evening. Tickets from Malvern Theatres, 7pm start there. Then my final top pick of the week is on Tuesday, the 25th of February, and it's Simon Dealey's Blue Haze at Worcester Arts Workshop in Worcester. This is a Borders-based group, and they're going to be performing tracks from their new CD, Athens Dance. It's nine tracks, all originals, composed by leader and keyboard player Simon Dealey. It's rhythm-packed, in-the-groove, jazz fusion, alongside gentle atmospheric ballads. Definitely worth attending. And do you know what? I love the Worcester Arts Workshop. If you haven't been yet, do go. They've got a great bar, a lovely cafe. They get some amazing music events going on. And they also do courses like learning how to paint and pottery. It's a real jewel in our city. So do go and check them out. And obviously, there are loads more going on this week. And I just don't have time on this podcast to tell you everything. So do check out the full listings in this week's paper or on our website. And remember, if you have an event going on, do let us know at the Worcester and Malvern Observers so we can let everyone know. Have a great week. Back to you, Rob. Thanks, Claire. I think we've put the world's to right albeit in a shorter format. I've done well considering I thought my voice was going to last about three or four minutes uh, into this. I'm off to go and have a whole soother or some other medication to try and sort this man flu out. Thank you so much for listening. Um, If you're affected by the floods, uh, then I do hope it dries up for you soon. Do keep in touch with us worcesterobserver.co.uk for all the latest information over the days and who knows maybe the weeks ahead as well because maybe this is going to be with us for an awful long time but my thanks to Claire thank you for having me again and uh, we'll see you very soon on the Worcester Observer podcast until then I think we're done here bye bye (laughs)